0: This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org We broadcast to you All over the country. We just want to see a bit of shout-out out out there to Tampa Bay today. You know, we've got some amazing contacts all over. When we say Tampa Bay, we mean from south of Ocala to north of Fort Myers, all the way over to Disney on a beautiful sunny day. Now, in the summer, we rarely get beautiful sunny days,
1: but... Not all day, but they are sunny part of the day. Right, they're
0: beautiful. They're sauna,
1: sunny. Sauna days. They're
0: more like sunny sauna days. And those days, <laughs> the lightning interferes. But just want to thank you. We, in the last couple of days, we've gotten a couple of calls from people doing exactly what we're asking. We would love for you to call us and ask us some questions on, hey, how do, how do you live out your faith in your work? And Michael right now is working on the audio of a couple of them that were sent in to us. We had a little technical difficulty, so we're going to give him a few minutes. But Martha, in the meantime, we just want to remind people why we're on the air. We're on the air to help everybody to connect what they hear on Sunday with what they do in their 9 to 5, because where they work is a ministry place. They mm-hmm. need to know how to connect their faith and their work.
1: Most definitely. And so we are excited to be able to every day bring different topics, different people, different ministries, different um, resources to the table across the airwaves for our listeners and ourselves, Jim, because we are learning every day how to better connect our faith and our work. And, um, I love the fact that God just keeps introducing us to new people. One of the things you just said is shout out to Tampa and in, and the fact that we had a couple of people call in from the Tampa area. And you said, you know, we have a lot of contacts in, in Tampa. For people that have been listening lately, and that we had a show with Matt Bird, and we talked about relationship versus networking. Mm-hmm. My goodness, the Lord is- <laughs> I'm has still did- going to
0: counseling because I know, of right? that conversation. But,
1: um, but the fact is that God has given us amazing relationships in many cities across the country but right now we're just focusing on on Tampa and the fact that God has um, had some people call in and um, give us some questions right in Tampa. So thank you, Tampa, for your relationships, and, and we look forward to that.
0: And if you want to leave us a message, like the one we're about ready to play for you, mm-hmm. six. hang on, I get the number, yeah. 866-713-9675, 866 W-O-R-K, work 866 Michael, you said you got it lined up? Play it away, my friend. Hi, they
2: said, Colin, if you have topics you'd like to discuss, or have discussed on this show, my topic is, what about if you want to share your faith at work, but the only other Christians there are of a different political persuasion? I'm Democrat, and the only Christians I know are Republican, where I work, and they've taunted me before about not wanting to listen to Rush Limbaugh and all these other people, but... I know they have some sort of faith, because I've talked to them about that, too. Anyway, what do you do if you don't want to ally too closely with these people, but you need to uh, witness for other people in the office? Question. All right. Thanks.
0: I mean, that is like when we ask for people for questions and you know sometimes you get a one star question and 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 two star question we've got a bunch of great questions emailed in they've been three and four that's a five star question yes it is because it's a really good one so
1: and it's complex there's a lot of elements to that conversation so
0: let's just dig in and 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 let's understand we don't know the the name of the listener but thank you for asking a really good question I'm going to start off, and Martha and I prayed before the show, because we have not rehearsed this answer. We just prayed, Holy Spirit, please guide this answer. I'm going to start off by saying, let's just call our listener Don. We don't really know his name, but it just makes it easy for me to talk to you, To give him a name. Okay, Don. Uh, Don, the caller, who's a a Democrat Christian. Here's the deal. Jesus isn't a political party person. I would tell you that I believe, first off, the issue is that, that people are identifying themselves as a Democrat Christian or a Republican Christian. You're either a Jesus follower or you're not. Now, mm. it's unfortunate people throw politics in the middle of this. Here's the bottom line. There's screwed up people in, in leadership in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. So it's not like we should be worshiping under the uh, under the Libertarian, the Republican, the Democrat, the Independent, the Socialist, none of them. We need to be Jesus followers. Mm.
1: That's a very good point. You know, one of the things I think he made a good point, though, is the fact that, um, you know, it's like you get put in buckets. We get put in a compartment. Compartmentalized, yeah. So for people that are judging, that are looking, and we can't control how other people look at situations, but really praying about it and just saying, you know, Lord, I want to share who I am because it's your story. So so Don, quote unquote, this this name we've given him, um, it. your life is your story. God is working in your life. So all you can do is share from what he's done inside of you and pray that the example that you're setting is the example that he would want you to be setting in your workplace and for your coworkers.
0: All right, and, and, and also Don, th- th- I know we made up your name, so we apologize. If you want to give us your first name, you can always <laughs> call back and leave us your first name. But again, a fantastic question. Uh, and just for those of you just tuning in, Don called in and said, hey, I'm a Democrat Christian, and the other quote-unquote Christians in the office are Republican Christians, and they hassle me because I don't believe everything they believe. And how do we how do, we do this? I will tell you, Don, I think the other thing is we're praying through this, and we honestly, as we entered into the show today, we're like, Holy Spirit, we need some direction here. Here's the deal. You ought to be able to find common ground. So my challenge to you is for you to take the high road to say, listen, we may not agree politically, but we all call ourselves Christians. Mm. I'm going to call myself a Jesus follower. What are the common things we believe? Jesus Christ died for me jesus christ rose from the dead my life's forever been changed because of jesus christ let's start with that common ground
1: Mm, such a great word and um, you know i want to speak for a minute to the other people in his workplace that have given maybe the christ followers that have given him some grief about um not wanting to listen to rush or whatever the conversation might be we need to remember that one of the things that Jim and I have been um, really being, God's revealed to us over the years is the fact that we don't all experience Jesus exactly the same way. That's exactly true. Or at the same time, Jim. My devotions this morning was about being mature in Christ, and um, I was reading that, and you know that there's the scripture that says that you know we all start off with baby food, but eventually we need to be eating meat and potatoes, and um, that's my interpretation there. Did you like re- my? I was did reading you like that First Paraphrase. Corinthians three this morning, and Paul said the same thing. So, just that whole concept that. We're not all on this at the same place at the same time, but if, like you said, if we can find the common ground in Jesus Christ, that's where the conversation starts. And if if the Christians are showing animosity towards each other, that's a problem. Okay,
0: and that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Thank you. The, what a great, what a great. Wow, one. that's
1: not what your face was telling no, me. No, <laughs> because I was so excited to say something. <laughs> I get
0: because to say it. because here's the deal, Don, our, our listener. We don't really know your name, but again, I get it. You, uh, I would challenge you to invite all of these people who have been giving you crap into a room. Shut the door and say, listen, we're all supposed to be believers in Jesus Christ. We call ourselves Christians. We've been arguing about politics, which is retarded. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. I know we're not allowed to use that word anymore. You know what I mean? Give me the 70s term of that. Dysfunctional. It's just wrong. What you guys are all doing in your office is destroying the opportunity to share Christ with everybody else who doesn't know Jesus because you're arguing about politics instead of about Jesus. Mm. So, Don, take the high road. And say, pull them all into the room and say, listen, we don't agree politically, but that's okay. I don't think Jesus would be a registered Republican or Democrat. At least that's what Jim Brangenberg with I Work For Him says. What Jesus would do is he would love everybody. And by us arguing, we're showing everybody else in the office that these Christians are idiots because they're arguing about politics.
1: And my final word would just be that um, they'll know about our faith by our unity.
0: Mm-hmm. And That's right. if
1: we are not unified, then we're the ones destroying that testimony. So I I, I agree. I echo what you're saying, Jim. So we just got to find got to find common ground and,
0: and and bring them all together and remind them that this is not about any of you. And it's certainly not about a political candidate because political candidates will come and go. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, mm-hmm. and He's the one that can solve the problems of all the people that you work with each and every day. The people that you should, the people that you should be sharing your faith with, mm-hmm. living out your faith with. So, Don, great question. I know we don't really know your name, but we do want to thank you again. Yes. Leaving a fantastic question. Hopefully, this is giving you some ideas. We'd like to invite the rest of you to ask some phenomenal questions of us. Eight six six. 713 9675 866-713-9675 and we are so excited uh, that you guys are calling in leaving great questions. We had another question from Lisa but we're going to have to put that off to the next time so thank you all for calling in. Now when we come back lots more in I work for him today. We're going to be talking with Paul Sone about his book Quarter Life Calling Pursuing Your God-Given Purpose in Your 20s instead of waiting to your 50s it's gonna be a phenomenal conversation. You listen to our work for him, where we help you connect what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your nine to five, your Monday through Friday. Maybe you work eleven to seven. Maybe you work seven or three to eleven. It doesn't really matter the time. The point is. Our faith should be impacting our work. It should. We should be changing the way we think about our faith and our work, Martha.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure. And, you know, we're changing every day. And we're just excited that um, our listeners can come along for the journey with us. And we want to hear from our listeners, Jim. So I want to encourage you guys to call our listener line at 866 713 9675 and um, leave us a voicemail. Let us know if there is a challenging conversation happening in your workplace, something you just don't know how to address or respond to, or um, whatever that sticking point might be. Just uh, let us know so we can join in the conversation. So call the listener line eight six six seven one three. 713 nine six seven five
0: we are your host jim and martha brangenberg here and i work for him and today we're gonna have a conversation well let's just let's just lay it up here a little bit a lot of uh, a lot of us have heard the conversation about halftime midlife crisis second phase of life most of us look at middle age as a time when we reevaluate the direction of our lives but if you what if you didn't have to waste the first 25 years paul sohn decided he didn't want to waste any more time he wrote quarter life calling pursuing your god-given purpose in your 20s Man, i wish i could add this book when i was in my 20s mm-hmm. paul sohn welcome to i work for him
3: thank you very much for having me appreciate it all
0: right no sweat hey so in order for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better paul tell us how you became a jesus follower
3: yeah for me i grew up in a christian household but um I really became a serious Christian when I moved away from my family at the age of 14 from South Korea, and I moved to Canada to study abroad. And then I remember that I had no family, no friends at the time, and I was with a Canadian homestay family, which were a Christian family, and that's when I really realized that I only have God that I can rely on. So I uh, I was baptized then, and I really started to really think about my faith more seriously, and what does it mean to be a Christian, Uh, almost being forced into that environment because literally all my uh, things that I was dependent on was gone, and there was only Jesus.
0: Uh, Okay. I mean, I love that. But how in the world did you get to this point where you realized in your early 20s that you didn't want to waste time going out making big bucks, pursuing the American dream, you wanted to get right down to what did God want you to be doing now? You didn't want to waste time. How what what shocked you into that reality?
3: Well, you know I grew up in an Asian-American household where there's a lot of expectation. Um, And for me, you know, when I graduated from college, I wanted to get into my dream job, which was to work for a Fortune 500 company. And I ended up getting into a company called Boeing, uh, the largest aerospace company in the world, Mm -hmm. and really just kind of worked my way up. I was making a lot more money than what I could ever imagine. And at that moment, um, it looked great, but after about six months into the process, that's when I really started to feel this sense of emptiness, this disappointment and disillusion in my heart. And I didn't really know why I was experiencing it experiencing it honestly but later on I realized that I was experiencing a quarter-life crisis for me and um, I wasn't the only one all my other peers were actually wrestling with the same questions and I remember uh, one day I was just getting so depressed waking up Monday morning and really asking myself like I thought getting into this dream job would provide the ultimate happiness of my life but it failed to deliver and, you know, i was just crying out to God, and I'm like, God, why am I so empty? Why do I feel so disillusioned? You know, I didn't sign up for this. And as I was just praying, I really felt God was saying to me, Paul, you've been asking the wrong questions all your life. And that's when it dawned on me that everything in my life was what I wanted, right? What kind of school I wanted to get into, what kind of job I wanted to have, and what kind of circle of friends that I was part of. And never once I asked God, God, what is your plan for my life? And, you know, throughout, through that moment, um, I had a conversation with my mentor. And that's when my mentor is like, Paul, do you realize that God has a purpose, that God is calling upon your life? And you need to start discovering that. So, long story short, um, I started reading uh, a book uh, called The Call by Os Guinness, and it's a a very, like, academic, thick book, but it literally changed my life because it redefined how I saw success, where it was all about discovering your calling, the purpose God has for you, instead of constantly trying to compare yourself to every other people around you um so that that was a critical defining moment that really helped me to start asking myself what is my calling what does the journey of finding my calling look like and uh, yeah now i'm here
1: Oh, that is awesome. So I want our listeners to know who we are talking to. We are talking with Paul Sohn, and he is the author of a book called Quarter Life Calling. And I want to direct, if, if they're like me, Paul, they're already sitting on the edge of their seat going, wow, uh, somebody young who gets it and ha- is making a difference with that information. And so people can check out um, more information about you on, the, on your website, Paul Sone. that's S-O-H-N dot O-R-G. And So listeners, um, just stay tuned here because this is a great conversation. Can they get a copy of your book on your website, Paul?
0: Yes, they can. Okay, paulsone.org. Okay, so you wake up to this reality. You've got the dream job. You know, you are working at a, at a large aerospace manufacturer. I will say Boeing, another free plug right here, and I work for him. <laughs> you know, so it, what did you do? So you're reading the book by Oz Guinness on, on this whole The Call what do you do? I mean, did, did you just, I mean, did it shift your mindset to recognize your work as a mission in the engineering field at Boeing or, or what did God say to do next?
3: Yeah, well, it, it helped me understand that success is not about uh, climbing the over ladder, it's not about amassing a, a huge amount of fortune, or it wasn't about the titles or prestige, but success, according to God's definition, was spelled faithful stewardship, and it was becoming the person that God has created me and called me to be. So that was a big paradigm shift that happened in my mind, but You know, with that, it really kind of led me on a completely new trajectory. Now asking the right questions of like, God, how did you design me? How did you wire me? Uh, Instead of I need to become what this world views as success. uh, I had to completely start from a different perspective and really live for the audience of one. Um, And that that was a big shift because from then then on, I I worked for four and a half years. Uh, I no, no longer work for the company now. But uh, at the age of 28, I did the craziest thing a 28-year-old do, and I quit my job without having any job lined up. And it was probably one of the, the most most uh, uh, courageous decisions I've ever made in my life because literally I had to move back in with my, my parents and had to make some major decisions, but you know, I knew that as I had a greater confidence and clarity of my calling, I, I know this life that God's given me is a one-time gift. And I don't want it to just live for myself or live for my comfort, but really squeeze every single calling and giftedness that God's called me to live for His glory. So it was just part of this quarter-life crisis that really helped me to transition into what I call the, my quarter-life calling.
0: We're talking today with Paul Sohn about his book, Quarter Life Calling. You can check him out online, Paul Sohn, S-O-H-N dot O-R-G, Paul O-R-G, Paul S-O-H-N dot O-R-G. I'll get that right. <laughs> okay, so Paul, you know, your generation, the millennial generation is saying, hey, you know, let me just say this. The boomer generation was searching for the meaning of life. The extras just get missed and then the co- the millennial generation is like, I'm not so interested in the meaning of life. I want to know meaning in work. Why this shift? Well, you've been talking to a lot of people. Why is this next generation in the workplace, the millennials, why are they, I mean, th- because what you, the questions is that you're asking at such a young age in your quarter life area, most people in our generation, in the boomer generation, didn't ask until their 50s or their 60s. Mm-hmm. So What is it about your generation that says, we want meaning now, we don't want to waste our time?
3: Well, I think uh, what's unique about my generation as millennials is we had afforded the opportunity for so many different choices, whereas our parents perhaps, um, they, they really didn't have as many choices available. So with uh, the influx of different majors that a, you know, student can choose from, um, with, you know, what type of jobs available and with so much change that's happening in the landscape we're living today with technology, it's really created this opportunity for us to think about what is the, right thing to do what is the right uh, company right organization right calling that I need to choose in order to uh, live this purpose-driven life right so uh, with that I think so much of our young people uh, view their work central to their identity so uh, many of them are trying to figure that out is how can I instead of bypassing all the 20 years maybe li- working for one company how can I maybe identify different companies or side hustles, if you will, mm-hmm. where I could truly yeah. tap into the purpose that God when has? When we to-
0: come back, we're going to hear lots more from Paul Sohn, who wrote this book that you're going to want to get for yourself, or you're going to want to get it for your kids, or you're going to want to get it for your grandkids, mm-hmm. but you're going to want to get it. It's Quarter Life Calling Pursuing Your God Given Purpose in Your Twenties. Oh, my word, Martha, if I could add this book. Think about the, I mean, we wouldn't have, I mean, I literally I feel like I wasted 20 years of my life pursuing what the world said was success.
1: You waited till your halftime. I waited until, until I was 37 until I, I
0: started getting my you attention. Know,
1: I was thinking about that, Jim. So anyway, our listeners can call in and get a copy of this book. Our guest, Paul Sohn, is willing to give away a copy. Somebody call in 866-713-9675. 866-713-WORK, and um, someone will get a copy of this book sent to you by the author, Paul Sohn. His website is paulsohn.org. And when you call in, leave a question of something you want us to address next, or maybe it's a follow-up question, Jim, for our conversation today about the quarter-life calling. Real quickly, I just want to say, I was thinking about how people complain that we live in a microwave world you know, that we want everything fast. But ha- this is a situation where sooner is better. If we get it sooner, um, we maybe won't feel like we've wasted so much time, you know, in the struggle. Now struggle helps us to grow and get deeper and, and be stretched. But at the same time, if, you've, if you felt sooner in your life that you were living in significance, you know, what a difference would that make?
0: I was thinking, there's got to be a great saying. We live in a microwave world, but we serve a God who really works with a stone oven.
1: Well, we talk about crockpot.
0: A crockpot. Yeah, we have. A, yeah, that's right. We you live forgot. in a microwave world, but we serve a crockpot God. That's, that's what right. I knew. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I knew there was something. I just could not remember what it was. But that's I was okay. trying. To, but it's it's more like a kiln than a crockpot. Serving the Lord. Okay. Well, there all you right. go. Paulson.org. Paul S-O-H-N dot O-R-G. Get a copy of his book, Quarter Life Calling. All right, Paul. Here's the question for you. You, in the, you, your book is so good, and it's it's so easy to read through. Why don't you explain adult adolescence to, to 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 the audience? Yeah,
3: adult adolescence is uh, it's an interesting word because you think about the word. There's adults and there's adolescence in it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a new term because back in the day, you know, 50, forty fifty years ago, you were an adolescent and you became an adult. But actually now with uh, the shifting landscape that we're in, we're actually seeing a new life stage called Emerging Adulthood, which many people would call uh, adult lessons. And essentially, you know, 50 years ago, you became an adult when you were about 22. And there are traditional markers of what define adulthood, such as becoming financially independent, finishing education, getting married, having kids. But today, because of, you know, people now pursuing um, more graduate studies because just having a college degree doesn't guarantee a job, right? And people are postponing their marriage, um, you know, until their late 20s and now early 30s has created this whole new life stage from about age 20, early 20s to 30, where they're trying to figure themselves out. Um, so this adult lessons is period where... People are feeling in between, not like an adolescent, but also not like an adult as well, and they feel stuck in the middle.
1: So, is it a negative um, phase of life or a very necessary one?
3: Well, it's it's just part of life now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of millennials happen to be that age frame uh, frame of eighteen to early thirties now, mm-hmm. but you know when. Gen Z comes up, they're also going to go through the same thing. So it's just now the new normal, and Mm -hmm. uh, adult lessons might be more uh, perceived as something negative, but this whole emerging adulthood from age 18 to early 30s, it's now part of the reality and we need to understand that it's going to be one of the biggest transitions that have ever happened in any decade is in this generation right now.
1: You know, and Paul, one of the things you said earlier really ties into that is that this whole idea that there's just so many more choices out there that it's going to take a little while to filter through them and figure out what the, what those good choices are. But you referenced some really good, um, Ways to figure that out in your book. Why don't we talk about that?
3: Yeah, well, I think a big part of it is um, understanding how are you designed. So, if you're going to make a career vocational decision with, uh, and in front of you, you have, let's say, five to seven different choices available, you need to start asking yourself, "How am I wired? How how did God design?" Uh, I call it, what is your vocational sweet spot? And that's the very important criteria that's going to help you make the right decisions instead of uh, what the world may say, which is, you know, you got to find a job that pays the most or what's the job that's going to give you the greatest reputation or that's going to maybe please your parents. If that becomes the first thing that you look for in a job, it's not really going to bring you fulfillment and meaning in terms of the work you do. But what if you could entirely see it differently from how did God design me?
0: Okay, so let's let's do that. I was I'm glad you went and got spiritual on me because I was going to ask you that question as we talk with Paul Sone about his book Quarter Life Calling. You can get a copy today. Call us the listener line eight six six seven one three ninety six seventy five eight six six seven one three work. Paul, how did your faith fit into all of this? As you mentioned, on the, uh, in, you had to, you quit your job, moved in back with mom and dad to kind of go through this quarter-life crisis. Now, are you still living with mom and dad?
3: Um, I Now, actually, I'm officially fully independent, as I got married, just lived over two months ago. But for about a period of three to four years, I had to move back with my uh, parents.
0: And how did they feel about that? Did they feel like, because I, I, as a parent of a kid in, I've got kids, two kids in their twenties. I'm not sure I want to move them back home. How did you, how did, did <laughs> they feel like a failure because you had to move back home or, I mean, how did that all work?
3: Well, I think I'm, I'm a little bit unique in the sense because um, when I was 14, I, I moved away from my entire family, so um, I didn't necessarily have the same upbringing many people have. So by the time that I graduated from college and started working at Boeing, and then now had the opportunity to move back with my parents, actually my parents uh, really uh, enjoyed it and they kind of wel- welcomed it as well as myself because they knew that God kind of gave me this last opportunity before I end up getting married and becoming fully dependent to really spend the last maybe few years with them.
0: I like that. That's, that's, that's fantastic. So through this whole process of, of working on finding your, the calling on your life, what, what did you find was the exact calling on your life right now?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, um, the calling statement that I, I share with others is to equip the next generation to discover their unique calling. So my calling, in essence, is to really help others find their calling.
0: That's great. I love that. So how, they're going to read your book. We want I mean, the book we're talking, Paul wrote this book, and most people, again, in their 20s aren't writing books. Quarter Life Calling, Mm -hmm. Pursuing Your God-Given Purpose in Your 20s, 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. All right, so your parents didn't feel like they messed up. They were actually grateful to have you move back home. But speak to the other parents out there. Were their kids come back home after college and need to live there before they get their, the, the get settled and go, as you called it, fully independent. Does that mean parents have failed?
3: No, absolutely not. Uh, it, it's not a reflection of their performance at all, but it's just the reality of life uh, today growing up as an emerging adult because, um, you know, millennials who are today um, are making 20% less than boomers when they were the age of millennials, just thinking about just the type of income we have, the world we live in. So many of them are not financially disabled to become independent, so they are actually choosing to come back to home, uh, not necessarily out of choice, but a lot of it is just out of just no option, right? But you know, parents usually, uh, they according to many statistics out there, they they actually um, welcome it because it's an opportunity to really reconnect with their children, who is uh, more mature now uh, compared to, you know, before they were a teenager. And it's a really uh, another opportunity where they could build a greater uh, sense of uh, connection and friendship. And the, the parents have an incredible role in shaping faith as well, and the future trajectory of their children. So it could be viewed as a very positive way.
0: So you mentioned earlier you called it a quarter-life crisis. And Martha's got a question here too, but I want to make sure that you, I mean, this crisis. What is this crisis in this quarter life? I mean, are are, are, are young people in their mid twenties suffering from a crisis of some sort?
3: Yes, it is, and um, I cannot emphasize this enough because it's not just like this. Oh, you have a quarter life crisis? How cute! Like it's actually a real thing, um, and especially if you talk, if you see on the news, there's so much talk about mental health, uh, anxiety, and depression. Uh, it's really on the rise, and it's just Killing so many um, souls and uh, you know these future of young people. The reason why is because of quarter life crisis, and a quarter life crisis is happening because they're entering into this new um, landscape in this world where there's as I was sharing, there's so many options, but at the same time, there's no one who's really guiding them on what to make the right decisions, uh, being able to understand uh, that. What they see on social media is not reality, but oftentimes because of average millennials spending two and a half hours on social media, they believe what they see on the screen Mm -hmm. is reality, which is not. It's just a highlight reel. So someone to really guide them through this process is so important. If not, then they're just going to continue to feel like they're, they're not good enough.
1: Oh, so good. So tell us who this book is actually for. Is this for the young adult to read before they hit a crisis? Is it for their parents? Is it for people that are already in crisis? Who gets the most out of it, or is it all of them?
3: Yeah, well, primarily, I would say this book is for those who are between the age of 18 to 30, right, anywhere from who's entering college, really thinking about what is the next transition of my life looks like those mm-hmm. who are currently fraught in a moment like a quarter-life crisis, but those who uh, are parents and others who really want to help their children understand more about the generation, right. this is a good, a good resource yeah. for them as well.
0: Quarter-Life Calling is the name of the book, Pursuing Your God-Given Purpose in Your 20s. You can find it online, Paul or paulsohn.org. You can also get a copy today. Call the listener line, 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. Paul Sohn, thank you for being on I Work For Him today. That's awesome. You're listening to I Work For Him radio show. and We've been talking with Paul Sohn about quarter life calling. To learn more about Paul, check him out on his website, paulsohn.org. Wow, we got a little bit of a bonus section today with a different guest. We've got Ken Harrison calling in today all the way from sunny Colorado. Ken Harrison, welcome to I Work For Him. Oh, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, Martha and I are super excited because you've got a big announcement to make. What, what are you going to roll out next July of 2020 that people didn't even know still existed?
2: We woke Promise Keepers up from its coma, and uh, so we will be back at Dallas Cowboys Stadium next July 31st and August 1st of 2020.
0: So, why resurrect Promise Keepers?
2: Well, I think it's needed now more than ever. It's amazing the hurt that we see in men and women and kids because men, I think, have lost their identity. They, The world has attacked femininity and then went after masculinity to the mm-hmm. point where I don't think men really understand their identity in Jesus Christ, and we're going to give them permission to be men again.
0: What do you mean men have lost their identity? Well... The world says that we're
2: supposed to be a certain way. And um, we swallowed that lie in the past from the James Bond, you know, Clint Eastwood sort of model of the man all alone with no emotion, stoic, drinking a lot, promiscuous. And we saw how failed that was. And now we've, the world's changed and said, so, well, no, what you need to be is the exact opposite. You need to be this effeminate, weak, cowardly um, type of a person, and God says who we are. And He says, we're supposed to be servant kings. We're supposed to be leaders in our family, but not rulers And we're supposed to lead through servanthood, through laying down our lives to ourselves and living for our wife and our kids, and like Ephesians 5:25, "Men love your wives like Christ loved the church." And he loved the church so much he gave his life for her. And that's what we're going to remind men, that's who you are. You need to be strong and courageous and brave, but also humble and gentle.
1: Mm, those are so great, such great words, and I'm so excited to hear about this. But, you know, can I believe that we probably have a few listeners that don't even know what we're talking about when we say you're resurrecting Promise Keepers. Why don't you get people up to speed on what Promise Keepers is?
2: It was one of the greatest movements of the Holy Spirit in the history of the church in the 90s. Coach Bill McCartney uh, was a great football coach at the University of Colorado, won a national championship, and he gave all that up. And seven million men went to NFL stadiums across the country in the 90s to worship. Mm-hmm. And so it's literally 80,000 guys getting together for a Friday evening and a Saturday first half of the morning and just worshiping the Lord. And the thing you hear from guys over and over again, <laughs> it's not about the fact that these are the greatest speakers and preachers in the world. It's the feeling of hearing 80,000 men singing Amazing Grace and the mm-hmm. complete authenticity of the guys there. And I I think what it is is this overwhelming feeling of I'm not alone.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you ever get to go?
2: Never, (laughs) never went.
0: And, and, you know, Hi. when you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, that is exactly what I told you. I said the most powerful moment for me was w- I went to the Dum Dome up in Minneapolis, uh, <laughs> the, the Metro Dumb Dome, which is no longer in existence. So they built it.
1: You can uh, call it that because you're a Minnesota. I do because I'm a Minnesotan. <laughs> and, you know,
0: so there was only 60,000 people there, but it was the most amazing thing to see. Men stream in from all over Minneapolis, St. Paul, and all over Minnesota. And, 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 to, and when we all started to sing together, and I don't remember the song, all I remember is thinking, holy smokes, this is what heaven's going to be like. Mm-hmm. I, because when you go to church, you always hear the women singing. You don't hear the men singing. And when you had 60,000 men singing, and, and, I, and it might have been Amazing Grace, I don't remember. All I remember is going, mm-hmm. that was, it, and I have told... I've told thousands of people that story. Well, now we've told even more thousands.
1: So, so Ken, we're talking about an event that's going to happen in July of 2020, July 31st and August 1st of 2020. So time has passed, technology has changed. What is it going to look like for people, for the men that attend um, in 2020? Well,
2: what a great question, yeah. So there's 82,000 000- person capacity next year, but we're Mm going to simulcast it across the country, coast to coast. We expect we'll have 10,000 different locations, churches, even people have asked us for arenas. And we thought it would be coast to coast. We've already had three requests from Korea and two Mm -hmm. from Israel, from churches, Uh, saying, how do we get the simulcast? We haven't even announced it yet. That's amazing how news can travel. So that we want to get over a million men all watching the same speakers, praying the same prayer, singing the same songs mm-hmm. together across America. That is how we'll get revival started in this country, because they're going to hear the Word of God like many have never heard it before. The best preachers preaching unapologetically what God's Word says.
0: Mm.
1: You know, so for every man that's there, there's potential for there to be at least one female that will be impacted, and then also family. So there could be daughters and sons and you know, other generations that will be impacted by that, what can us wives be doing even now in preparation for that launch next year for promise keepers?
2: you know what hit me so hard I, I did not mean to take over promise keepers. the Lord had his own will for <laughs> me, and I came kicking and screaming into this and I don't take any pay and one of the reasons I don't is when we fir- when I first took over. Um, we saw the giving and the average gift that comes into promise keepers on a monthly basis is $3 and 40 cents. And I started asking who, who are these people who've been giving to an organization that hasn't done anything in a long time. And we started calling people. And one of the people we called was a woman who was a widow. And she said that my husband went to promise keepers back in the early nineties. He was a pastor. Mm -hmm. And the man I got back from promise keepers was so utterly transformed. I was so grateful for the man I got back, that I Mm -hmm. told the Lord I would give every penny I had to Promise Keepers for the rest of my life. And what she had given was $5 a month for 25 years. And she said Mm -hmm. to the caller, I hope you're not calling to ask me for more money because I'm giving everything I have. And that struck me as the great benefit to women. You know, 40% of the ticket buyers in the 90s were women buying them for their husbands and their sons. (laughs) I believe that. (laughs) So at that moment, I said, I will never take a dime from Promise Keepers because it's being kept alive by people like that who are sacrificing. How, How could I not sacrifice? But also I realized that the impact. And so for women, boy, pray for us. And we need your protection. Um, Help us on social media. When we're successful next year, we're going to get attacked viciously. Um, Mm -hmm. Me personally, they'll come after me. We've seen what they do to people. The godless hate the message of men coming together and actually thinking that they might lead their families in in healthy scriptural um, teaching.
0: Yeah. Why July 2020? What was this significant about that? I mean, you uh, and Dallas in July 2020. Because, you know, <laughs> Dallas in July. Why not Colorado Springs, where you're <laughs> talking to us from right now? It's nicer there in July than it is in Dallas, Texas.
2: We're going to do one Promise Keepers event um, per year. Now, in the 90s, there were we, in, in, we did 27 NFL stadiums in one year. We're going to do one per year so that we can each year take the, the message, customize it to what people need to hear. And so next year we'll take in, we're taking on abortion and we're taking on pornography, which men need to hear, mm-hmm. in a very healthy way that allows them the space to really understand why it's so horrific, pornography, and give them the chance to repent. Also, it's as close to the September Bible study season as we can get without running into the NFL preseason. And also, what we want to do is we pick picked the last <laughs> weekend of July to make it the time when men come together. So it'll always, every year, be the last weekend of July. We want to make this an annual mecca of um, the men of God coming together, grabbing their sons, their fathers, their neighbors, their brothers, and saying this is the weekend when the men of God come together to the point where we will hopefully see tens of millions of men simulcast all over the world um, around the one event in a stadium somewhere.
0: Hey, Ken, what is the website for Promise Keepers?
2: Promisekeepers.org, and tickets go on sale on August 1st, and um, a couple things. Uh, They go on sale. um, They're not terribly expensive, but we understand men don't value what they don't pay for. We are laying aside 10% of the tickets as scholarships for people who can't afford to come. We don't want anybody to not be able to come who can't afford it. Tickets will be $99, and they're discounted for vets and first responders. They're also discounted if you want to bring your sons. Again, it's not really about getting money. It's about men Mm -hmm. having skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And um, we also have negotiated contracts with 18 hotels around there. And AT&T Stadium in Dallas. If, if listeners haven't been there, it's you know it's got wet and wild. It's got Six Flags. It's got the Rangers Stadium there. It, it's quite a circus of stuff to do. It's a great place to bring your kids if you don't mind a thousand degrees in Texas outside the time of year. But the <laughs> stadium is indoors and is air conditioned.
1: Yeah, and then there will be simulcasting opportunities as well.
2: Yes, all across. Anybody who wants to help us out with that, we'd, we'd love it. We already have quite a few getting set up, and the information on that will be coming out later. We're right. still looking at providers. Right now, the, the best provider we've found can only do 10,000 locations, and we think we'll need more than that.
0: Wow.
1: Have you <laughs> Big talked- problems.
0: Uh, yeah, Those I mean, are great. This, so great- pray
1: for that, everybody.
0: That's right. Ken Harrison from Promise Keepers. I know your full-time job's at Waterstone. We're going to do a show about that in the future. Ken Harrison, thanks for calling in today to introduce Promise Keepers back to the iWork from audience. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Check them out online, PromiseKeepers.org. That is going to be a transformational. I love the fact that it's 2020, the year of again of another vitriolic election in this country, but men are going to come together and worship Jesus all together. PromiseKeepers.org, Dallas Cowboys Stadium, July 31st, 2020. you can listen to our work room with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I, I work, work for Him. him.